Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Who's happy to be in church today? It's a good, it's a good day to be in the house of God. Listen, uh, we're going to talk about why these... Can we, like, these are kind of ugly, aren't they? They're not? I, I didn't, I, the tree, I, yeah, these are wonderful, guys. These are wonderful. Please, I don't know what I was thinking when I said, I just meant they don't match with the stage. And we're going to talk about a little bit why these, these planters are on the stage in a minute. There's a reason they're up here. Today's what we call Palm Sunday. Who knows what Palm Sunday is? You may have noticed, like, all the palm trees on the, on the screen today as we were singing our worship song. There was, I noticed there was a plethora of palm trees on the screens this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about why these are on here in just a moment. Um, but let's pray together before we jump into the word and uh, we'll see what the Spirit of God has to say to us today. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that this is your house, that this is your church, that you have the right and the place to say and do whatever it is you want to do. Father, I ask right now, first and foremost, that you put your words in my heart and my mouth, and I say only what you want me to say, that I communicate your thoughts, that I communicate your heart. Father, any thought that is not of you, I ask in the name of Jesus that you just get it far away from me. Father, I ask right now that you are opening our hearts, our ears, and our eyes to receive truth and life that we are healed and made whole in your presence, by your presence. And Father, I thank you that as we leave this place later on, that we have been changed and transformed by who you are, by your word and by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, and we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start off where we ended off in the nine o'clock service, and See if we can rearrange some thoughts here and um, come at something a different angle. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday today. Today is what we call Palm Sunday, and it is in some churches this week um, is called Holy Week. It's called Passion Week. It is the week where we focus on Jesus and the work of the cross. We have Good Friday. We celebrate on Friday. We have Easter or Resurrection Sunday coming up. Next, next Sunday is that day. And this is the day where Jesus made his way into Jerusalem to prepare for going to the cross. And we call it Palm Sunday because of the palms that were laid down before him as he made his way into Jerusalem. Um, And what I want to try to communicate to you today is this. I want to communicate to you today, and I believe the Spirit of God wants to communicate this, that his love and his care and his thoughts towards you are so great that he orchestrated a plan thousands and thousands and thousands and I don't even know how many years ago to bring us back into a place of righteousness and wholeness with his father. And it's not by chance. It's not by happenstance. It is by God's great love, his grace, and his care for you that we celebrate what we celebrate this week. And so I hope that when you leave today, I hope that the Spirit of God has spoken through me in such a way that you have heard, if nothing else, that God loves you so much. 
the crux of the gospel is that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. John what? John 3.16. God loved you so much that he didn't want you to live a life of sin and separation from him, that he desired you to be able to come back to a place of righteousness and wholeness in him. And so because of that love for you, because of that care for you, because of his thoughts towards you, he sent Jesus down from heaven to earth to do what we celebrate this week. So if you don't hear anything else, if you fall asleep because of jet lag, we have people that came home from Japan. We have my niece who came home from England and France this week. Um, Then if you fall asleep because of jet lag or you fall asleep because falling asleep in church is what you do, (laughs) we'll just let the Spirit of God convict you about that. (laughs) Before you doze off, please remember... That God loves you. And his thoughts are turned towards you. That he cares for you. Amen? I don't know what we say to say amen in church all the time. Amen means so be it. It's just like our churchy way of saying, are you picking up what I'm putting down? That's, that's what we're really saying. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to start off. And I'm going to work my way up to Matthew chapter 21. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the next eight chapters. We're just starting in Matthew chapter 13. But we're going to work our way to Matthew chapter 21, which is what we call the triumphal entries, when Jesus came into Jerusalem. And in Matthew chapter 13, I want to show you something. And we're going to look in verse 45. And what I want to show you is the love and the care and the forethought that Jesus had to Towards you. Jesus is speaking and he's been telling some parables. And in, I want to read verse 44. We don't have it on the screen, I don't think, and that's okay because I didn't tell them. Um, sometimes I just like to get a running start. I don't want to always jump in at the verse that we're reading because I think it's really important that we have context when we're reading the scripture. And if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention to what happened just before or just after or in the preceding chapters, you can, you can, not get the whole picture or the whole point about what's being talked about, all right? So in verse 44, Jesus is speaking. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Isn't that like a sneaky little man? found a treasure. He was out, just happened to find a treasure in a field. And so what this guy did was he took this treasure, he buried it in the ground before anybody else could find it. He dug a hole, stuck it back in there, and then he went and bought the field so that the treasure was rightfully his. Verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, He sold everything he owned and bought it because to him, this pearl was so valuable. So he sold everything he had to get this one pearl. Now listen, Jesus is talking about these parables. He's telling these stories. And one one translation of this story, one interpretation of this story is that this story is talking about Jesus and his love for you and for me. That Jesus cares so much for you that he sacrificed that one thing that would cost him everything, which was his life. 
uh, so that he would righteously own what he bought. Just like the man who went and bought the entire field so that he could own the treasure that was inside, Jesus went and sold everything else. That one thing that was so precious to him, his life, he went and willingly laid it down on the cross to buy that one thing. And I want to tell you today in this room, whoever is listening to the sound of my voice, that to Jesus, you are that pearl of great treasure. That you are that pearl that he sacrificed all for. That everybody who's come before you, that everybody who's alive right now and everybody who will come far after you're gone, as long as the earth will remain, they are his treasure. And he did everything. He gave everything to redeem those people. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's go to Matthew chapter 20. What I'm trying to show you is the love. I'm trying to show you the heart that Jesus has for us. In Matthew chapter 20, towards the end of the chapter, in verse 20, um, James and John's mom comes to Jesus. And she says, I want to ask you a question, Jesus. Can I ask you a question? And the Bible says she gets down on her knees to respectfully ask Jesus this question. And she says, Jesus, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, and it's a favor. And I just want to ask you something. She smiles at him. I'm sure, like, in my mind, she smiles real big at Jesus. She's like, Jesus, I just want to ask you something. And Jesus says, okay, yes, ask your question. What would you like? She says, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can my two wonderful boys who have served you so much and with all, they've left everything. They left their father behind. They left the fishing boats and they came to serve you. You, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can one sit on your right hand and one sit on your left hand? And these are the places of honor. And Jesus says, well, he says, you know, basically he says, that's not my choice to make. And he goes on, he talks a little bit. And then in verse 24, it says, when the other 10 disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were really upset. I'd like to know who told them what James and John's mom asked. I'd like to know how they found out. And I imagine, I was telling people in 9 o'clock service, I imagine they were upset because they didn't realize this question could be asked of Jesus. And they're like, wait a second. We can ask Jesus to sit beside him in heaven? That's up for grabs? That's on the table? How did these boys know to ask that question before? And they were mad. And then Jesus goes on, and he begins to say this. He says, you know, guys, let me tell you something. The rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, he says, I want to tell you something. That's how they do things in the world. But I want to tell you, among you guys, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, this is the title that Jesus gave himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, I didn't come down from heaven so that you all could worship me and serve me, so that I could leave heaven, leave the throne of God, come down to this dirty, dusty planet and get dirt in my sandals and between my toes and smell like a camel. I didn't leave all that behind and come down here so that you could just worship me on earth. He said, I left all that in heaven and came down to pay the ransom price for you. 
The word ransom is the Greek word lutron, and it means this. It says, a ransom or price paid for redeeming captives, loosing them from their bounds, bonds, sorry, and setting them at liberty. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. Here's why I came. I came down here to be the ransom, to be the thing that paid for redeeming captives, for loosing them from their bonds and for setting them free. That's why I came down. That's why I'm here. And so this is what he's saying right before he's making his way into Jerusalem. We're going to go into Matthew chapter 21 now. These are the words that Jesus says just before he's making his way into Jerusalem to get ready to go and die on the cross. This is the week where he goes to the cross and willingly lays his life down for you and me. So he's saying right before he goes and does that, I want to tell you guys something just in case you haven't got it, you're missing the point, or you haven't understood what I'm trying to communicate to you. Jesus says, I'm getting ready to go into Jerusalem. I'm about to lay my life down, and I'm laying my life down because I've come to be the ransom price for Landel. I've come to lay down my life for him so that he is free, that he's no longer captive to the things that have held him bound. I've come to set him free. I've come to set everybody free. So don't have a wrong idea in your mind. Don't have a wrong picture of who I am. I'm not here to be worshiped and served. I'm here to serve you by laying my life down. And then he gets ready to go into Jerusalem to get ready for Friday to go to the cross. So Matthew chapter 21 says this. Verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them ahead. He said, go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied up there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. I want to tell you something about this plan, this love, this love that God has for you, this love that Jesus has for you is so encompassing. It is so bound to who he is that he thought ahead and planned ahead for his arrival into Jerusalem. Listen, as much as I love to pretend like the Lord just says, take whatever you need because the Lord has need of it, right? He says, just go there, just show up and just say the Lord has need of it and you can take it and they'll let you take it. And it sounds like just if you read it on the surface, it sounds like this really cool authority that Jesus just can show up anywhere he wants, whenever he wants, and tell people to say, the Lord needs it, and they say, okay. Yes, he was meek. It's one of my favorite jokes. Like when we want something at church, I tell Josiah, when Josiah needs to go buy something, I tell Josiah all the time, just say, the Lord has need of it, and then take it. It's in the Bible. It's okay. It's funny, it makes me laugh every time I think about it, I don't know why. But I wanna tell you, as funny as I think that is, and as great of a joke as I think that is, that's not the case. The Lord Jesus had prepared beforehand. He had talked to people. He had set things in motion because he was ready to do what was required of him to do. 
So because he loves you so much, he planned ahead. He thought about you and said, I need to make sure that steps are in order, that things are in place so that when it's time for me to go to Jerusalem, when it's time for me to go to the cross, I am ready to go. Who likes living people, living life with people who just have no plans? It's really exciting, isn't it? It seems exciting for about three and a half seconds. You know, like when you're driving somewhere, you're in the car together, you're on the road, and the person who doesn't like the plan just, just randomly shouts out, let's go here. You're like, yeah, let's do it. And then you turn the car off the road. You're like, well, wait a second. What about, I got to go pick up my kids. I'm, I'm on my way to work. I can't go do this right now. I'll get fired. Or you have all these other thoughts. You realize you can't do that. You have to plan ahead. Jesus loves you so much that he planned long ago and far ahead in advance to make sure that he could go to the cross for you. It goes on here and it says this in verse 4. It says, just tell them the Lord needs it. They'll immediately let you take it. It says this, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is a prophecy about the Messiah from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. So Jesus made sure that when he was ready to go to the cross, that he was fulfilling prophecy about who he was. So that as he went to the cross, people would know, they would see this thing. They would see Jesus riding on a donkey and realize that it wasn't just a, 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 a mistake. It didn't just somehow, Jesus didn't, just didn't end up on a donkey. He chose to ride on a donkey. He put plans in motion to ride on a donkey. He talked to people beforehand so he could ride on a donkey, all so that he could fulfill this prophecy on the way to the cross. Because he loves you goes on here it says the two disciples did as jesus commanded they brought the donkey and the colt to him they threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it verse 8 says most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road jesus was in the center of the profession procession and the people all around him we're shouting. In God's, John's gospel, he's telling this story. He's telling this account. And in John's gospel, it tells us that there were people that were in Jerusalem from all over because it was time to celebrate Passover. And they believed there was more than 2 million people that had showed up in Jerusalem at this time. And so Jesus is getting ready to come into Jerusalem. And there are people everywhere. It also tells us that there are people that are following Jesus because he's raised Lazarus from the dead. It also tells us there are people that have heard, heard how he just healed blind Bartimaeus. And they're, he, they're hearing about these works that Jesus has done. And he's making his way to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, all these people have converged on Jerusalem. And here is Jesus in the middle of them making his way to the cross. 
And as he's making his way to the cross, they begin to shout out this to him. Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. I want to read this to you from the New King James. It says this, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So these people are shouting and they're cheering for Jesus. And the Bible talks about how they're throwing off their, their, um, uh, their garments, it says here in verse 8, and they're cutting branches. They were cutting branches from palm trees and they were throwing them before Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because this is what you did for kings. So the kings didn't ride on dirty ground and dirty roads. And so they took off their coats, they took off their cloaks and they threw them down and they made a path for Jesus to make his way into Jerusalem on this donkey through branches and clothes because he was a returning king. He came, listen, he came on a donkey for a reason. He came on a donkey because a donkey is a symbol of what a king rode for peace. In the Bible, if you rode a horse, it's because you were going out to war. You were going out to battle. But Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey so that people would realize, here comes this king, but this king is signaling and signifying a kingdom of peace. He's not coming in war. A lot of people thought, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of people who were alive in this day and age when Jesus walked the earth, they thought Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of God right then and there, and what they thought that meant was that he was going to end the Roman persecution. And so they're excited, they're, they're, they're hooting, they're hollering because here comes Jesus, our king. And they, they begin to sing, praise God, or like it says in the, in the New King James, Hosanna. Hosanna means to save now. Save us now, save us now, save us now. And what they're chanting, what they're cheering is, here comes our king. He's going to save us. He's going to set us free. And what they think that he's going to set them free from and save them from is the Romans. But Jesus has something else in mind. Jesus has a salvation that goes beyond Roman persecution. Jesus has a deliverance in mind that is beyond just what a government can do to you, that is beyond what a job can do to you, that is beyond what a conversation or a relationship can do to you. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem symbolizing here comes the king of peace riding on a donkey making his way in saying here I come. I am your king. I am your salvation. And they're saying save us, save us, save us, save us now. And Jesus is saying probably to himself I am here to save you but it's not the kind of salvation or saving you think you need. Because I know the saving that you need. And I'm making my way to the cross to do a work for you that you don't even understand or know that you need right now. But here I come. Here I come. Riding on a donkey. The Bible talks about how riding a donkey is a sign of humility and humbleness and meekness. They're waving these branches, they're hooting, they're hollering, they're cheering, they're shouting. People are crowding around them all over the place. The same people that just five days later are shouting, crucify him. They don't understand what he's coming to do. But here we are all these years later, 
when we have a fuller understanding of what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying, today we celebrate the day that Jesus begins to put into motion what we celebrate next Sunday. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem in the final week of his life on earth saying, here I come. It's time to put things in order once and for all. It's time to get ready to settle the accounts. Here I come. The ransom is coming to town. I was thinking about this. And I think this is the only time that I can think of, and now I haven't been a lot involved in a lot of ransoms, but as far as I know, I think this is the only time when the ransom drove itself to the place where the drop was supposed to happen. Jesus says, I'm your ransom. I'm your payment. I'm going to set you free. And so to make sure that happens, nobody's got to drag me there. Nobody's got to bonk me over the head, knock me out, throw me in the back of the van with a mask over my face so I don't know where I'm going and drop me off when we get there. I'm getting on a donkey myself and I'm coming to town to pay the price for you. That's what today is. Today is the day where we thank God for his saving grace and his saving power. Today is the day that we remembered that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey. And as people were laying down their, their coats and their palm fronds and their trees and shouting, here comes our king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, 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 save us now, save us now. All the while, Jesus is saying to himself, here I come to save you. You just don't know what you need saving of. You think you need one thing? I know what you really do need. And here I come to pay that price once and for all. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for a God who pays the price that I really need, not just the price that I ask for. Sometimes we ask too little. Sometimes we don't understand the price that we're even asking to be paid. But the Lord Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, his goodness, and his grace, knows exactly the price that we needed paid. You know, in comparison, freedom from a Roman occupation is infinitely less of a price to pay than the price that Jesus paid on the cross. It was like the people were saying, Give me five bucks, give me five bucks, give me five bucks. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you five bucks because what you really need is $50 billion. So even though you're asking for five dollars, I'm going to give you 50 billion because I know what it is you need. So here we are crying out, shouting out for Jesus to save us. Save us, save us, save us. Jesus comes along and says, I'm about to pay a price that you don't even know that you need. And I'm going to set you free. And I'm going to ransom you once and for all so you don't have to be bound by anything else for any longer because of the blood that I'm about to shed. Amen? Stand up with me. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I want to take just a moment and worship the Lord together. And then we're going to pray 
together. Okay, I want to worship together. And then we're going to take a moment and pray. And as we worship, I want you to maybe begin to think of the things in your own life that you need saving from, that you need God to rescue you from, but you are thinking on one level and God's saying, you're thinking down here, but I'm thinking up here. There are, there are savings that we need from external circumstances, but God is saying, actually, it's not the external circumstances you really need saving from. There's some internal workings that you need healed and restored. And if you will allow me, and if you will ask me to come in, I will work in those areas, and you will watch and see as I work in those areas, as I pay the price for you, as I've paid the price for you in those areas, you'll see these other things that you're asking for will sort themselves out. So as we begin to worship the Lord, I want you to just take a moment and worship God and let him speak to you and begin to point out to you areas in your life where you need saving, where you need him to step in and bring salvation and bring freedom and bringing rescuing to you today. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of healing. Today is a day of God doing what only God can do. Amen? All right, let's take a moment and just worship the Lord. And just like, let's begin to sing, let's begin to praise Him, and let's just create that atmosphere and that space, and then we'll come back together in a moment and pray. Now listen to me. As we begin to worship, as we begin to worship, you need to begin to worship. You need to begin from the bottom of your heart. Like these people, you know, they didn't have quite the understanding of who God was, who Jesus was, but that's okay. Because they were praying what they understood and what they knew in the moment. Begin to cry out to God. God, I need salvation. God, I need you to work. I'm hungering. I'm thirsting for you. Just begin to cry out and to worship. Let's go.
that passage, in that passage, it says that the city was in an uproar. There was a commotion. And it was in an uproar. It was in a commotion because people heard that Jesus was coming. And they had heard who Jesus was and they had heard what Jesus had done. And they were so excited and they were in such expectation of what God could do for them. And as we were just standing here worshiping, I heard the Lord whisper to me and say, the King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. (laughs) Wait a minute. The King is coming. The King is coming. (laughs) And listen, wherever the King goes, everything that King is comes with him. And so he said, the King is coming. The King is coming to town. And people heard, hey, Jesus is coming. The King, the Messiah is coming to town. And they said to themselves, oh my gosh, this guy just raised Lazarus from the dead. He just healed Bartimaeus. And if he did it for that guy, maybe he can do it for my cousin. Maybe he can do it for my mom. Maybe he can do it for me. And they were so excited. And there was such an upheaval and an uproar because the King was coming. <laughs> <laughs> the king is coming. The king is coming. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it makes me pretty excited that Jesus is coming to town. Do you need healing? Do you need wholeness? Do you need freedom? Well, guess who's coming to town? It's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus ain't coming to town. It's Jesus. The healer. The redeemer. The sanctifier. The ransom price is coming to town to set you free. To bring wholeness. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.